It is Sam Sermons right here on the What Do I Do Now podcast. I appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, and really giving me a lot of great feedback thus far. So I appreciate all the support. Um, This upcoming episode is one that I'm titling Persevere. And when you listen to this podcast, it'll absolutely make sense. And right before I start with this episode, I kind of want to let you in on something. I title all my episodes behind a simple principle that is going to help you out some way, some shape, some form. So, so far, I've already tackled love. I tackled crossover. I tackled innovate. And now here we are with persevere. But with no further ado, let's get this one going. I'm interviewing Brandon Pope, TV media personality, award-winning journalist, and someone who's literally changed the culture for black professionals in media. So, Brandon, introduce yourself to my listening audience, man. Well, first of all, man, hey, thanks a lot for having me on. It's humbling. I appreciate it, man. Seeing your rise and seeing uh, the success you've had and the drive you've had since college has been awesome. So uh, I'm happy for you and proud of you and uh, honored to be a part of this platform. But I'm I'm out in Chicago, bro. I work at uh, CW26 and WCIU. I'm an anchor, reporter. I do a lot of like features. I do entertainment, do a little bit of sports, politics, news, you name it. I probably do something with it. <laughs> so, Pope, um, just real quickly, how are you managing this pandemic? Because it's different for everyone, especially in the media industry, how we do a lot of stuff, you know, in person. And now we're doing stuff through Zoom and phone calls and even this podcast. I mean, we, we could have definitely done this over like a FaceTime or something like that. But it's through distancing, social distancing and things of that nature. How are you navigating through this process? It's been tough, man. I mean, so much of the business that I'm in is about in-person contact, you know, and one of the reasons why I got into it was because I like to talk to people and meet new people, right? And there's challenges with doing stuff. Like I do almost all my interviews through Zoom. Part part of that's just like personal choice, but also company choice just for health and safety. And so there's challenges to that because you have technology to deal with, Wi-Fi signals, delays you have to deal with. So, you know, When I do interviews, sort of like you, like I like to, you know, just be chill, have fun and not so much just like question and answer, you know, just kind of kick it. And it's hard to kick it virtually when there's a delay and, you know, they're trying to make a joke or you're trying to make a joke and people are interrupting each other and all that. So working through kinks like that has been extremely difficult and can't say I got it completely figured out. Um, But just being able to have a job in this pandemic when so many, so many people, people in this in industry, industry are, uh, are uh, struggling. struggling. It's uh, it's, uh, it's awesome, it's awesome man. man. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Abundantly blessed. And you graduated from Ball State just as I did. You had your degree in communications. What was the first station that gave you your first shot at your first professional gig? Yeah, man. You know, it, the whole senior year was rough because like everyone's asking you like, oh, what you got lined up? And I'm like, nothing. Uh, am I supposed to? And I think that this industry in general, media, is so catered toward uh, privilege. You know, white people that are connected, that have money. And so it's easy for them to have things lined up out of college. And me, I did not. So I moved to New York to hang with my girlfriend at the time and kick it. And eventually I, I applied to so many places, they didn't give me a shot. But the station in South Bend, ABC 57, They found my stuff online, they saw my reel, they saw my clips on Twitter and YouTube and LinkedIn, 
and the news director there reached out to me um, and it happened pretty quick. We talked on the phone. He said he'd like to offer me a job. I came down. We had a discussion in South Bend. And yeah, I had the job within like a week or two. It happened really quickly. So I was like, went from a point of being like, dang, I really might need to think about getting into a different industry or a different kind of job to all of a sudden like being in and getting in is the toughest part. Once you get in, um, you just got to do the work and you should be able to, you know, find your way into something within the industry from there. All right, so going from college to ABC 57 out there in South Bend, mm -hmm. um, navigating through from where you started, where you, if I'm not mistaken, you did Olympic coverage while at Ball State and then graduating to a point of doing, you know, sports for the South Bend and especially being a large college town for Notre Dame. What was that transition like? Was it a big jump? Was it a big difference? Or do you think that you got the preparation you needed to perform on a big stage like that? That's a great question, man. You know, I think that I definitely had some preparation. Covering the Olympics in London definitely gives you some exposure because you're covering a big major event. So you're getting an idea of what that's like, how to interact with other members in the media, how to, you know, do high speed, high intensity coverage of a sporting event, how to talk to athletes and not fan out or geek out like, did when I was in London, like I tried, I start, I tried not to, but you know, when you see Kobe Bryant and you got, you got your mic in his face or LeBron James or Kevin Durant, you know, it's tough. So I think that when I came to South Bend, I had a better understanding of what it meant to be a professional journalist, right? And um, what it meant to actually, you know, ask good questions, um, crank out good content, a good workflow in terms of like how to get that, you know, interview into a piece. Those are the things that I picked up from Ball State and my experience in London at the Olympics. But, you know, I'd be lying if I said it completely prepares you. The best preparation is really, you know, the actual job. There's nothing the classes can really give you. You know, it was actually just being in there and failing a few times, actually going through and having to mess up, having to have your tripod not work or have forget to white balance or all kinds of things and getting better at your craft through mistakes. Um, so I got to go to a place where I made some mistakes for sure. I was terrible on air, if I'm being honest. I don't think I was good for the first week. But as you get into repetition, uh, they didn't really train you either. I came to a place they didn't really train you. They just kind of throw you to the wolves. You know, you learn on the fly and you get better and you start looking at other people's work and how can you make your work better through that. Um, and I think that is kind of what I picked up, right? So it wasn't easy, bro. I'm telling you, it wasn't easy at all. Doing London definitely helped me and gave me an edge. Doing internships helped me and gave me an edge in, in a professional newsroom because I understood the speed at which things were going and the, and the pace I needed to work at, right? Uh, if I didn't have those experiences, I do wonder um, how I would have adapted in South Bend because um, it's a it's a crash crash and burn type of place if you aren't ready, you know. Definitely. So I kind of want to see your perspective on this. So if someone is coming out of college, ready, got their degree in hand, do you think that they should be baptized by fire? You know, kind of thrown out there, or would you take a more traditional approach and kind of walk them through the steps? 
and even more so now trying to walk them through it because it's different. We're in a completely socially distanced environment with the pandemic. What do you think, Brandon? Man, that's a great, man, that's a great question. I mean, I think baptized by fire is the way to go. I think that experience is the best teacher, no doubt, in this industry. In other industries, it might be different. But I think that in this industry, having to understand newsroom and and station politics, navigating that, while also navigating how to crank out content and be good at your craft, ask good questions and preparation and study, all of that can be learned in class, but like actually applying it and making a, you know, a habit out of it. You know, John Wooden had a quote. He says, excellence is a habit, but to cultivate a habit, you got to steadily be doing. You can't just read up on it. Right. So I feel like, you know, that trial by fire and, and failing at something too teaches you whether you have the fortitude to actually get through it. Right. I always say, are you going through it or are you growing through it? That's the question you got to ask yourself because, you know, you're going to have some times where you're going to fall flat on your face. You're going to have some times where you, you literally just mess the whole thing up. But what you gain from that is key because you know better, you do better. So, uh, yeah, I'm a trial by fire guy. I don't, I never had anybody handhold for me. I had to jump in and do things myself. I think us as black people often are trial by fire people. We have no choice because we don't have people uh, to help hold our hands and guide us and wipe the snot from our noses and stuff. We have to actually get in there and fail. The key thing is like once you once you fall, get him back up. That's the key. All right, so now I got to bring this up because it's something that I honestly wasn't prepared for. Like, you bringing about failure and speaking that up, I'm like, has Pope ever really failed at what he's done? Because at least from the outside looking in, it's like my man been hitting on all cylinders since he graduated. So I guess if you can share with my listeners right now is a time that you feel as if you either let yourself down, let potentially the business down, or, you know, ultimately fail. A lot, man. You'd be surprised. I just don't advertise it, <laughs> you know, it's, Fair enough. It, yeah, you know, uh, even at Ball State, it's funny you say that because at Ball State, I guess outside looking in, people thought I was winning, right? But there was a, a whole newsroom politics, uh, a student media politics at Ball State that I really detested. And I got burned by that politics. I had a position that I was... Uh, I was like the leader of one of the organizations and I was pretty much kind of stabbed in the back and had it swept under the rug from me. And, you know, I had to accept some responsibility for it. Like, how did I allow this to happen? It's because I was caught sleeping, really sleeping at the wheel. Somebody saw a vulnerability and they attacked it. So yeah, there, there's been failure for sure, like missing a deadline for an interview. Um, when I got to South Bend, there was some failure for sure because there were times where I couldn't get the, the live pack started up. I'll never forget this. Hey, I'll never forget this. I'm not going to say any names, but my first week on air, probably first day, first few days, I'm like working an early morning shift. I don't have a photographer. It's all me by myself. Had never done live shots really before in my life. And I have this live gear, this live equipment. 
I don't really know what I'm doing. Somebody kind of walked me through, but it's a lot. And I did not do a good job with the live shot at all, whether the presentation of it, how it looked, all of it. It was terrible. And I heard the anchor uh, on, I heard the anchor talking about me, like negatively, like talking mess. I don't think she thought that I, you know, knew that I heard, I don't think, she didn't know that I heard her. Usually it's not, I guess their mics aren't tapped in, but this time it was, and I heard every single word, right? And right. I, and I, I, that stuff gets, it gets, it can get in your head real easily, right? I clearly failed. I was being mocked. People were doubting, <laughs> you know, why I was even brought in. And so that was a point where just like, you just got to lower the shoulder, push through and pr- prove everybody wrong. Um, and that's why the trial by fire thing is key. Uh, I failed. That first week in South Bend was terrible. There are times, you know what, and I think about it too, my first time covering Notre Dame football in terms of like going out for a road trip. I remember I thought I did a good job, but then it it comes back to me from the news director that, you know, the people I was with were, they had some critiques. Some that when I looked back, I'm like, yeah, you know what, I could have done this better. You know, they didn't say nothing to me. They could have said something and that would have helped out a lot because they were more experienced and they could have given me a heads up like, hey, this is how we do things. But they didn't. That's not their job, I guess. So, uh, but that boss had the courtesy to tell me he didn't give up on me. He let me do more and still go on these trips, right? Because I told him, I was like, listen, I, did, I wasn't aware of that. I think I did, you know, X, X and X, um, but I will work to do better. And I did. Um, so it wasn't peachy, you know, it wasn't peachy at all. Um, I had to show and prove every single time. And if I didn't show and prove, then I wouldn't have got where I'm at, you know? And there's been times too, where, you know, I make mistakes. We all, we're humans. We make mistakes. So did I, did I tweet something I shouldn't have? Did I, did I, you know, post something I shouldn't have? Did I, you know, go off on a boss or something when I shouldn't have, or talk to somebody in a way I shouldn't have, you know, these things happen and you just have to learn from them and and get better and do better. So yeah, man, I've definitely failed. Technically, I guess you could say when I was at Ball State, I got fired from my position leading a, a, a student media organization, right? So it's just a matter of how you rise from that. I definitely agree, and just to, uh, I guess, give my little backstory from Ball State, like, I remember when I got suspended from the campus radio station, mm. and it was for things that I, like, y'all are ticky-tacking over something that isn't really addressed across the board, and I definitely think that plays into being an African-American at a PWI, in, especially in our, our department, and I definitely will champion for it. I think it's one of the country's best in regards to media, but at the same time, at times while you're in it, you get reminded that, you know, you're working in a potential workforce that may not look like you. And it's going to be the reality. Like, there's going to be some folks that are going to try to put you in a place because you're doing a little bit more than what they, you know, foresaw for you. And to be where we both are now is almost a testament to just the confidence in ourselves and also in our craft, but also to just understand that those that tell you no or try to undermine you or try to tell you that you aren't good enough don't know what they're talking about at all. Mm, that's real, man. That's so real. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of that at Ball State. There's no doubt. I, I love the program. I'm proud of the program. 
And I'm proud of what it did for me, but being a black person in student media, you understand because you went through it too. Like, you had to constantly try to prove yourself, uh, constantly uh, deal with microaggressions and deal with petty politics that, you know, just kind of threw you under the bus in, in the end. So I understand, man. I really do. And it's, uh, it's something we had to overcome that a lot of people don't. And it absolutely made us better in the, in the long haul. So now I'm going to fast forward to the present day. So you were in South Bend working in the Michiana area. And the thought process, at least it was for me, you know, going from a big market to small market was, is this the final destination? Is this the end all be all? Or is there a way where I can transcend and go to a bigger market? What was that decision like for you? Because you're now in Chicago. Mm. Yeah, man, there was a, my contract was coming up. I was pretty certain I, I was going to leave. I loved South Bend, loved the people, built the rapport there, you know, comfortability. It's, it's, it's a thing. You grow to love a community once you live there for three years. I had a church home, a few church homes, um, favorite barbershop or two, you know, family, like friends and families that invited me in their homes and cooked meals and invited me for Thanksgiving and Christmas and all kinds of stuff. So it wasn't easy to leave South Bend, but I knew it was, you know, there was greater things out there for me. I had some looks from Memphis, Tennessee and other places, but uh, the company I worked for in South Bend, they also had a station in Chicago and that station in Chicago was starting up a new show and they said, hey, we uh, would love to uh, take a look at Brandon for some uh, things we got going on. They were kind of top secret about it. So I went, uh, drove to Chicago, pretty short drive, got me a hotel, auditioned, co-hosted their morning show at the time, did a few of those, co-hosted a few shows and did a few things, kept driving back to Chicago, back and forth and not really knowing what they wanted, right? They kind of, I was kind of dangling around for a little bit. So it, it got down to the wire. I'm like, yo, decisions gotta be made. And eventually they're like, yeah, we want you. We'd like to have you on for this new morning show we're doing. Offered a contract and it was a, it's a done deal. So I made that jump, made that leap uh, into a new city. And it's a bigger city. I had experience in Chicago already. I'd been there many times for covering the Cubs, um, covering Obama and his farewell address. Lots of friends in Chicago. So it was an easy move. Um, and I'm glad I made that leap, man. It's, it's been uh, a joy to be here in this city. It's, it's a great place to be. All right, so just real quickly, I, did, I had to pull this up while we're on here. And you went from Market 99 in South Bend to your top three markets in the country. So there, when you talk about media, and it's something that I definitely talked about with uh, Brad on an upcoming episode, was... When it comes down to it, Atlanta's a top 10 market, but when you think about where things are shot and done and things like that, you know, you think of New York, think of L.A., you always have to mention Chicago. You know, there's people like Oprah whose career cemented there. You got to think about how the Bulls' prominence in the 90s, you know, really carried it in being the face of the whole entire NBA. So how did it feel for you going from, you know, market 99, which isn't bad. Let's keep it real. Being the top 100 market is great. But when you get to that point of now you're being on a morning show, people are seeing you like millions of people. It's not just, you know, a few hundred thousand. This is a large, much bigger scope. How does that make you feel? Or how did it make you feel? It was intimidating. I had some imposter syndrome, to be honest. Like, am I really good enough to make this jump, right? 
and there were there were some reasons for that. I, I kind of came in to this whole new show and I wasn't being given given a lot of uh, clear direction in terms of what they wanted until I messed up. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, okay. So that's what you guys wanted. Um, so it's, you know, once again, that trial by fire, right? It's kind of doing that process all over again. And yeah, you get imposter syndrome because you're, you're in this city, right? You know, the Dark Knight was filmed here. Uh, they filmed Empire here and, you know, all those Chicago PD and shows like that. And they film movies and stuff and legendary anchors. Um, there's always news to cover. I'd go to press conferences and it's tough being the new guy on the block, right? Fortunately, I had some great people in local media in Chicago that reached out, like that literally reached out. Uh, Courtney Guzman, who was at WGN, now she just got a new job in Cleveland, was one of the first people to greet me in Chicago. Love her for it. She, we were, we were both live at a scene, black woman, and she saw me and said, hey, <laughs> come here. Hey, what's up? She's like, hey, what's your name? Blah, 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 you know, and really kind of brought me into the fold, right? And you need that. You don't get that everywhere, right? And so Chicago, to have people that did that for me and kind of brought me into the fold was awesome. So, yeah, man, but imposter syndrome was a real thing. I had to really check myself and tell myself, yeah, you deserve to be here. You worked, you worked your ass off. You do great work. You have the presence you got to have a little bit of Kanye in you and, and talk up yourself because it's easy to look around and be like, dang, I'm not them. You Boy, I'm glad you brought him up because I was just about this. I'm like, look, there's a lot of things that I've seen you do since, you know, making that jump to Chicago. And one thing that got you on a lot of press outlets, and I know it definitely boosted the morning show's uh, spotlight nationally, was when Kanye is leaving Chicago radio station and... I, I know Kendra G's on the show. I know Leon Rogers on the show, the morning show. I can't think of the station name right now. WGCI. WGCI. There we go. I know Chance throws in his songs, and I couldn't remember which one it was. Anyway, how was that moment? Because one thing I told you on social media and publicly was, like, how you handled that situation. And there was another reporter out there. There mm -hmm. was. There, like, you weren't the only one on the scene, but to get one of the most polarizing figures in Chicago and in hip-hop music history to come out of a radio station and you have questions ready. Boom, 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 boom. And I'm just going to say, you did step on the other reporter, but you kind of had to to get your content. So what was that experience like for you? And how do you feel about it looking back on it? Like, I think it's been almost a year since it's happened. Yeah, yeah, maybe two years. You know, the way I see it, he stepped on my stuff. <laughs> he, he, talk um... your talk, folks! <laughs> Uh, that was an interesting day because it was random, right? We have a radio partnership with WGCI and the iHeartRadio um, family of Chicago. Uh, our station partners with them on a lot of stuff. So, you know, we know them, do a lot of work with them and stuff like that. And so I guess we had gotten a tip that Kanye was going to be there. And they said, hey, if you want to like hang outside the place and see what happens. So this happens like, it's kind of like kind of late in my day. It's like getting ready to go home. But they, uh, my boss is like, hey, Kanye is going to be, you know, can we send a camera? I'm like, yeah, I'll be there. Let's go. So grab my photog. We're out there. We're kind of staking out the place. The other crew from the other station shows up uh, probably 45 minutes later. <laughs> so we're like, dang it, we got to do some competition here. And they had more people, which is me and my photographer versus the other station had 
the reporter, photographer, two producers, uh, and other people from the station that were just like, their station's close, so they just came down there. And so I had a lot to fight in terms of boxing out, right? And they were also gonna, they were going live with it, whereas we were just getting video to take back later. So I had to, I, I was being nice and let them do their little live shot real quick, but I had to get in there and get my questions. <laughs> And they were trying to kind of, you know, there were different producers trying to push me out of the way and stuff. I got my questions in, though. I look back on it. There were things I wish I would have asked instead. If you look back at the video, you can see he looks at me and heads my way first before I get tripped up by one of the other station's team members. And then other guy got in there for the first question. I was supposed to, I was supposed to get the first question, but it's okay. So I look back on that. I wish I could have got that first question, and I, I wish I could have... Uh, Got a little more time in, but overall, it was definitely a highlight for sure. I loved it. It's just, moments like that are great. You know, we're both in these spaces, right? We know what questions we're going to ask because we both, I grew up on Kanye's music and we follow it. So it wasn't hard to, I just wanted to get to know. I just wanted to know, right? Just curiosity. And I asked him, uh, how do you, do you feel like um, Chicago still has love for you? Because this was, this was happening around the time where Shay, um, Ron Thess was accusing Kanye of saying that, you know, F the kids of Chicago and he had abandoned the charity that he started that in, in Donda's house and all that type of stuff. So there was a lot swirling, right? And a lot of controversy and the Trump stuff was happening. And so he, um, I just asked him straight up, do you think Chicago still has love for you? <laughs> and he smiled and said, yeah, yeah, I think they I think they always will. I think they always will, no matter what I do. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not a lot, but it's kind of like paparazzi experience. You got to get something out of it. And I think we got we got what we needed. I'd love to sit down with him sometime, though. That's that's what I need is just to sit down with him, pick his brain, because the man's got an amazing mind. It's hard to just kind of get a lot in an ambush setting. Right. Absolutely. And there's like two more questions I got and we're going to wrap this up. But I have to ask because you name dropped them earlier and I really wanted to get you to talk about it then. But we kind of progress in the conversation. So your Kobe Bryant experience uh, during the Olympics, um, share how that was for you, man. Oh, man. And this is a story I don't share a lot. I know people were sharing their Kobe stories. I'm never big on like trying to like, I don't know, I always feel weird about like using someone's death that's famous to like share a personal anecdote. It feels like kind of clout chasey for me. And I saw a lot of people do stuff like that. And I just didn't want to do it. Um, but my experience with that was cool because it's just like, you know, you first walk in and literally the way it worked, we walk into this gym in London and it's all these NBA players just shooting around and they literally just like you go up to them and you talk to them. And I'm like, yo, what? So you got Kevin Love, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Anthony Davis. You know, LeBron, Kobe, KD, uh, Andre Iguodala, CP3, all these people, right? Darren Williams, uh, Tyson Chandler that you see on TV. And you can just walk up to these people. You can just walk up to them and be like, hey, what's up, man? What? <laughs> so Kobe obviously had a lot of people around him, a lot of media around him. I think I was the only black person, at least the only black male that was there actually working as a journalist. There were groupies there and people that were like just trying to get pictures and stuff. But like as a journalist, I was the only black journalist there. And so I was like way in the back of the media scrum. I'm trying to get in there. I'm trying to find a way to get my uh, recorder in. And I'll never forget. 
I'll never forget Kobe Bryant literally picking me out of the crowd and being like, hey, my man has a question here. Like quiet, kind of moving and wait, gesturing for people to kind of move out of the way so he can see me and I can get in there and get my recorder in. And I kind of, I kind of, I, I got to be honest, I blacked out, spaced out. Just like, oh my God, he spoke. <laughs> He's directed the Wow. And I don't remember what exactly I asked him. It was something about the game against Argentina, what he thinks the team needs to do better to beat them. Generic, stupid question that was probably already, <laughs> probably already asked, right? But he didn't act like it was stupid at all. And he validated it and he gave a great answer. And he said, hey, thanks a lot. I'm like, thank you. And that was that. But just to have him like, you know, Spot the black guy in the crowd and uplift that black guy in the crowd. Black kid, really? Kind of speaks to his character. That's who he was. He's uplifting others all the time. Uplifting us. I didn't think much about that moment. Like, I think about it all the time, but I didn't think much about that moment until I see, like, stories from people about how Kobe Bryant was always uplifting people. And I'm like, dang, he he did that for me, too. You know? He's just a good dude. So... It's good, it's good to see that. Not every athlete's like that. Not every celebrity is like that. And you know that because you interact with them too. Not everybody's like that. That's in, that's in the public eye. So to have somebody that's genuine and looking out for other people, looking out for their people, it's huge. And I definitely agree, especially working in the entertainment field. And you do come across people that just have a stank attitude and you try to, you know, pull <laughs> whatever you can from the interview and hopefully it goes well. But... One thing I definitely want to make sure we mention, and one thing that at least I do here in Atlanta, and I'm pretty sure you do it there because you mentioned as well, is that you have a relationship with other forms of media, especially with people of color. It's a small fraternity, it's a small sorority of men and women that do this, and especially on a big stage and happen to help each other out because there's always going to be a time when you're like, I need this, and you, hey, you just ran this on the air, we need that for the newscast, or hey, we see you got this, like, it's, it's um, working horizontally. I know Issa Rae really talked about it. It's not the people that are trying to, like, level up. It's like, I'm looking at people to the left and right of me, and I'm trying to figure out how we can collaborate and make things happen. So, and one thing I definitely noticed that is you work with a lot of younger media professionals, whether it be through NABJ, whether it may be through, you know, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and things like that, and you're very active in your give back. So what does that give back mean to you, especially coming from a situation where we didn't necessarily have that presence at Ball State? Yeah, man, I think that's a big part of it. You know, I, we, all we got is like, you know, it's a basic term, but it's, it's real. Like, I mean, we need more black people in media. I, we understand the challenges that black people in media face. And I think on, when I was at Ball State, there were black professionals who I leaned on in the industry, like Erica Fly at RTV6, who is also a Ball State grad, black woman, or Sandra Chapman, another Ball State grad who works at WTHR. People I could, you know, and Dr. Maria, professor at Ball State, people I could lean on who were uplifting, right? And I wanted to be that for somebody else. I've always been about mentorship, so, you know, Big Brothers Big Sisters automatically was a thing for me. In South Bend, I got myself a, a kid. He was great. Um, still in contact to this day. Played basketball, stuff like that. Who just needed a, a male figure in his life, someone to talk to, right? You know, about guy stuff, just to, just to kick back. You know, we all need something like that. And then, you know, I do My Brother's Keeper, which is all about uplifting young men of color 
and finding opportunities for them to advance. And I've been working with that. I was, I was appointed to the board here. They reached out to me and I humbly accepted that mission and that charge. And then the National Association of Black Journalists just trying to support our village of people who are in this media industry and finding ways to uplift in that way. And I try to focus on just the upliftment and not get into the politics, right? Just the upliftment of other people. Someone did it for me. I want to make sure I can do the same thing for others. And I try not to be brand new. I try not to act like my time can't be shared with others. I try to impart whatever knowledge I can to people um, and make myself available, you know, for phone chats or advice or checking reels and, you know, or if I'm not the right person, but they reach out to me, I pass them on to someone who might be better for them to give them some advice and stuff like that. So, you know, I just, I, people did that for me. I want to do the same thing for others. I think it's important. We need more of that as black people helping each other out because yeah, we can't afford to just be tearing each other down. That's for sure. Like this is a tough enough industry as it is just to make it as a black person. We got to have each other to rely on them. Got to. And just like that, I think that's a great place to end this podcast episode of what do I do now? But I definitely got to make sure you, you get to plug everything you got going on. Let them know where they can find your social media, how can they follow you, how they can watch you, the whole nine. Hey, y'all. I appreciate this, man. It's at TV, B-P-O-P-E-TV on everything. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn. I'm BPOPE TV on everything. Uh, feel free to reach out. Always available to give advice, uh, look at reels, or just share memes. Uh, hit me up. And one time for a BPOPE is dope well, during your undergrad days. <laughs> yes, I had to pull it out, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I, there's, there's something. I think my Snapchat is BPOPE is dope. I just don't use Snapchat anymore, but I, I kept that around for Snapchat. <laughs> All right, had to make sure because you know the real ones know. The I Z, it's I, you know the I Z D O P. Yes, sir. Hope I appreciate the time. Thank you for blessing my podcast, and I cannot wait to get up there to Chicago once the pandemic is over. You got to link up because I know you came down here a lot um, in 2019, man. It was great to see you down here and, you know, getting to experience what you get to experience. is really, really cool and insightful. And we're going to keep leveling up, man. Amen. Anytime, bro. That wraps it up for this episode of What Do I Do Now? Definitely subscribe. Definitely share. Tell somebody to tell somebody. Um, I got a lot of great interviews still on the way. Make sure if you haven't checked out the earlier ones, definitely check those out. Um, again, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Overcast, just about anywhere you can hear a podcast, I'm probably there. So definitely, wherever you listen to this, however you listen to it, make sure you're subscribing. I appreciate the love. It is Sam Sermons, and this is What Do I Do Now?